In a world that tells us that if you're not happy, you can just change your job, end your relationship, start a new one, have a baby, get a puppy or five. We are constantly facing change in the pursuit of happiness. And yet, deep down, we resist this so much because nobody teaches us how to navigate transitions. Well, I'm here to change that. Join me and my guest every week to find the inspiration and actionable steps to dive into your next great chapter. Let's write it together. Hello, everybody. This week, I'm so stoked to bring you Benjamin Helfond, the co-author of Our Happy Divorce. And I have to admit, for me, it was a little bit shocking to hear those <laughs> two words together, happy and divorce. And then he sent me a book of his, uh, a copy of his book. I had to finish it in about one night. I started reading it and I couldn't stop. And I wanted him to come on our show to explain to us how you can have a happy divorce. It also sounds like an oxymoron, but once you read the book, you understand. So Benjamin, thank you for being here. And please tell us the story. How, how did you make that happen? Well, uh, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, and and uh, yeah, how do we make it happen? I mean, that, that, that is, uh, if you had asked us 14 years ago, I think when we made the decision, the tough decision that a lot of couples make to get divorced, um, and you had asked us what we wanted as, as far as an outcome, um, it wouldn't have been anything close to our happy divorce. And, and it wasn't going down that path. Um, but because of, uh, you know, some things we did in, in the beginning and, and throughout the uh, past 14 years, it turned into a happy divorce. And, and we are, uh, you know, best friends. Uh, we live seven houses apart from each other. Uh, my wife, uh, and Nikki are best friends, um, and, and her husband and I are, are, are friends, and we we, you know, we have a great life together, and then we have a happy divorce. But it was something that, again, if you had asked us 14 years ago what we wanted, uh, we would have undershot uh, that outcome by hundreds of miles. But isn't it great that you can put those two together, even if it takes 14 years? It didn't take you 14 years. But it, it certainly wasn't at the inception of your divorce. And that's what I want everybody to understand. Once you start the divorce process, you may not be as entitled, as woke as you guys are now. But it's something that you can achieve, right? With time, perseverance, you explain in the book all the steps that you guys took to get there. What do you think was the most important value that you guys stuck with to make sure that you ended up where you are now? Well, it's a, it's a great question. And, and I'm glad you brought up the, the fact of how surreal, if you're, if you're watching this or you're just going through a divorce, you know, it might seem like a, a land of unicorns and rainbow waterfalls. Um, but, but, you know, it, it, it was a process and it was something that, again, we could never have imagined. But I think in the beginning, once I got through uh, you know, sort of being the hurt and wounded man uh, and, and started taking a look at or being willing to take a look at my side of the street um, is that when you break it all down, I think, and this is going to sound apathetic, uh, and it's actually meant to be apathetic, but divorce is just a business deal. Um, you know, you're splitting up assets, uh, your you know, real estate, bank accounts, making decisions for your kids. Um, the problem, though, is it's sprinkled with uh, these negative emotions, you know, fear, resentment, anger, um, 
you know, uh, and, and so what Nikki and I did in the beginning, I think, it, which was a turning point, is we dealt with the emotional side first before we got into the business side um, and, and got into the divorce process. And, you know, for me, uh, it, it was based on accountability um, and, and ownership of, and the understanding that it takes two to make a relationship and it takes two to ruin a relationship. And of course, there's some, you know, outliers or stuff that we're not uh, qualified to talk about, you know, abuse and, and that sort of thing. But for the most part, in any relationship, um, there, there, it takes two to make it and it takes two to ruin it. And so Nikki and I, uh, through our own processes, went through and we dealt with um, our stuff, right, and, and our role in the ending of the marriage. And, and, and then, you know, accountability was one and then forgiveness was the other. And, and you know, we sat down at a coffee shop and sat across from each other when things weren't happy. You know, uh, I don't think anybody leaves a marriage on, on a winning streak, right? And, and, uh, or they leave a marriage because everything's, you know, you got in a fight at a, uh, at a dinner one night or, you know, it's, it's a process. So we sat across from each other uh, and, and we apologized, you know, and, and sincerely uh, and genuinely apologized to each other for what we had done or, you know, our part in, in the relationship. So, accountability and forgiveness is what, you know, our happy divorce and uh, is founded on. And, and that doesn't mean that after that coffee shop meeting, all of a sudden it was our happy divorce, right? All of a sudden it was, you know, uh, a, a great thing, but we made a commitment to each other uh, that, that we would not hand our son, you know, at the end of this process, an emotional bill for him to pay. Um, and, and, and an emotional bill for something that he didn't order off the menu. He didn't choose the restaurant. He had no choice in any of the decisions along the process. Um, and, and so he shouldn't be faced with the emotional bill. Um, so we made a commitment to each other uh, to put our son first. And sometimes that gets lost and sometimes that can be used. Uh, you know, people, at least I can in, in the beginning justify, you know, what was best for my son when really uh, it was best for me. And so we came, you know, for me, it was a pretty simple equation, you know, uh, uh, that we learned two plus two equals four. And, and some of the decisions in a divorce, uh, if you had asked Nikki, uh, you know, whatever the decision was, you asked me, and then you asked Asher, you could get three different responses, right? You could get three different answers. But as long as the answer was four for Asher, that's the one we went with. And sometimes those decisions you know, for my ego or Nikki's ego felt like the answer was a thousand to two plus two equals four. But, you know, we, we, and then through the process, uh, I, I would say in the beginning that it, it's fair to say that we faked, we faked it until we made it. You know, we put on our big boy pants. Uh, and and uh, again, with, with the goal of not handing our son the emotional bill. I want to say these guys, when you read the book, you'll, you'll know, you guys admit there were no coaches back there. There were not all these programs that 14 years later, we are so fortunate to have a whole industry around uh, divorce coaches, collaborative divorce mediators. But back in the day, you guys figured that one out. And as I was reading the book, I remember these guys figured it out on, them, on their own because one, you're very accomplished business people, you and your wife. So I thought that you were able to see Okay, like I always say to my clients, divorce is an emotional dissolution and a business dissolution. You just have to separate those two. So as a business person myself, I saw that very clearly. Like we have assets, we have custody. That's a part of the equation. And then the other part is the emotional. And what I love is that 
it, it's almost like you guys work with a coach because what I teach my clients is we're going to start with emotional, okay? Because okay. otherwise, the other one is like putting the cart in front of the horse. You, you're never going to get to the end of a negotiation if you are still attaching and being so bound by those negative emotions. So working with emotions, the three steps that I have to work with my clients, and we cannot move into any logistics of the divorce until we are totally anchoring those are kuleana, which is a Hawaiian word that means responsibility. And is everybody has to take responsibility. It's very easy to say, it's my ex's fault. Sure, some things are, but take responsibility for your part. We work on forgiveness, which is like, okay, now that I know the part that I had in it, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to forgive my ex. And then we move on to the next step, which is acceptance. Accept that this is happening. And now we, we have removed pretty much the whole emotional baggage. And then we can work into the logistics. And when I say that, people go like, no, but there is all this anger, all this resentment, all this fear. They're attached to these three components. And if you do not deal with them, as you said, there will be an emotional bill for you, for your spouse, and for your children. We, we only put the finances in it when we get the bills from the lawyers, but there is all this emotional trauma that cannot be quantified. You only get to live it. And by reading your uh, book and following you guys on your Instagram, I can see that your son didn't have to pay no bill. He was actually given access to an incredible array of emotional assets. And as I always say, now he's got four amazing grown-ups in his life that they absolutely adore him, love him. And that, in my opinion, is always better than two. Right, <laughs> no right. Yeah, and, and, you know, one thing that you, the business side of it, you know, accomplishments it had, had something to do with it, yes. But uh, at the end of the day, what really, for me, was the turning point was experience and life experience and, and learning and not repeating some of the same mistakes. Now, I was, a, I, I was a child of a high conflict divorce in the 80s, right, where there was only one way of divorcing, and it was all out war, War of the Roses, you know, they made a movie out of it, right? That, and so, um, you know, that life experience that I had of growing up in that toxic relationship, where somewhere along the lines, like the kids became the parents, um, and, and how, how we had to, you know, walk around our parents, not only in the beginning when I was 13, but at high school graduation, college graduation, wedding number one, wedding number two, right, of where mom's going to sit, where dad's going to sit. And, and so, you know, but, but the crazy thing is, even with all that experience, you know, I left the house in such anger and such resentment. And, and it was so much easier for me to point the finger at Nikki and say it was all her fault that I was going to repeat those same things. Now, what it did eventually, you know, you know, luckily that I was able to at some point sort of have this awakening or this moment of clarity that I was going to repeat the same thing um, with my son that my parents did. But, you know, even it also gave me a little sense of forgiveness for my parents that you know, when they decided to divorce, and I don't think any parents do this, right? When they make the decision to divorce, the next conversation isn't how are we going to screw up our kids' lives, right? Like, it, it's not a premeditated thing. It's just a, it, it's a situation where people don't deal with the, like you said, the emotional side of it. And they go right into the divorce and they go right into the lawyer's office, who sort of then becomes the therapist, who then becomes the, uh, you know, business 
the person making decisions and it becomes wins and losses and us versus them. And the kids just sort of get washed, mixed up in the, in the mush. Um, and then unfortunately at some point, um, and luckily Nikki and I didn't get there, but the cucumber becomes the pickle, right? And, and you know, once that cucumber becomes the pickle, it'll never become the cucumber again. Right. And it goes down to that, that point of the high conflict that that's going to haunt, uh, you know, you and, and your ex and your, you know, new spouses and, 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 but most importantly, your kids. And I grew up in that household, you know, I grew up in that, uh, you know, so yes, the business side of it had, you know, something to do with it. And I understood, um, you know, about the, you know, lawyers or whatever, but I was still going to go through the same thing until I tapped into my life experience, um, which was a turning point for me. And I do agree that many of us come into this um, phase of our lives. And of course, we only take the reference from what happened in our personal experiences. And I believe that my parents, same thing in the 80s, they actually didn't go through the divorce for 10 years, which to me was the worst decision they could have possibly done. But they thought that that was the best thing to do to stay married, which to me takes me to this point now where I'm thinking, should I end my marriage? Should I not? And then I look back and I go like, well, no matter how bad my parents' divorce was, which wasn't one of the best, but the 10 years previous to that were the absolute worst years of my life. So that's where I went like, okay, no matter how bad a divorce is, it always ends. A bad marriage that you choose that you're going to stay in it because you think it's the right thing to do, it's the weight that your children are going to have to carry for the rest of their lives. It's the kind of experience that they are going to assimilate as this is love, this is where relationships are. And I don't want to have to tell you how that's going to fare for them if they're in a marriage that has stopped loving each other, where they stopped loving each other. But what yeah, I- and you said it perfectly about the four. Now Asher has four parents. And, and through this whole process, if you'd asked me 14 years ago how I'd be okay saying that, you know, I'm glad that Asher has a, such a great second dad in his life, I would probably tell you you're crazy. There's no way my ego would lie. But he does. He has a great another role model in his life. In, in Chad, Nikki's husband. And Nikki, if she were sitting here, would say the same thing about Nadia. But most importantly, again, when it comes back down to Asher, he gets to understand what a loving, caring marriage relationship looks like. Um, and, and again, I'm not a proponent of divorce. I'm not saying, right? But he has two positive, instead of one bad, you know, marriage, a loveless marriage, or, you know, a, a bad divorce, he has two examples of what love and marriage should look like. Exactly. And that's what this generation, I think, we're trying to change. Because when you think about it, divorce, as it is right now, the no-fault divorce, where you don't have to say, oh, this person did me wrong, it's kind of a recent development. It's for us. Our parents' generation, it was very different. The women, most of the women didn't have access to their own finances. And then you had to find this fault. That's why we all grew with this construct but i always say back in the day when my parents got divorced there were no laptops there were no iphones so if you try to do any business nowadays with pagers and notebooks i would say you're absolutely crazy yet we're still thinking that the way that our parents did divorce is the way that we do divorce nowadays and i'm saying you're gonna be left behind if you're really still trying to do divorce the old school which is how you describe it everybody lawyers up they stop talking they go to war and then depending on what kind of a lawyer you have, you may have a divorce that takes forever and costs you all your savings, or you may more or less move along the way, but it's still not being completely satisfied. Not knowing 
that there is way many more options nowadays. You can go collaborative, you can hire a divorce coach, you can go mediation. And in the end, the result is going to be what you're describing right now. A family unit that may not be the two people with their 2.5 children, but it may be four grown-ups that fully love and support each other and their offspring, however many brothers, sisters they're going to end up creating. And in my opinion, what I taught my children, and I see that you taught Asher as well, is it's not so much about you have to stick with something that doesn't work just because for some reason we have socially accepted that is morally wrong, even though legally we're being told, yeah, go ahead and dissolve it. But we're teaching them how to deconstruct in a positive way, something that is not working. And that to me, it's a wonderful skill. It's something that I want my children to know. I want my children to know that change is good, that transformation is positive, that relationships end, whether it's a marriage, a friendship, whatever it is. And you, you, you can learn how to do the inner work because to me, it was all about inner work. It was all about finding that resilience, that strength, to say, I'm gonna be okay. I loved when you said before, we faked it until we made it. I tell my clients, you may have to face it until you make it. And that strengthened my faith. It was, I had to be in faith. And I'm not talking the God faith, but the faith of, I see my vision, I can make it happen. Once you create that from an experience as traumatic as divorce can be, what is to stop you achieving anything in life? Right, no, and it's, you know, the, the other thing is though, you know, talked about how great it is for Asher that he has four, you know, parents that love each other. But it's also important to, that, that even with all that said, you know, a couple of years ago, Asher and I were on a fishing trip uh, and he really, for the first time, opened up to me uh, about the divorce. And he said, this divorce is really hard on me. My first reaction, again, and this is what I've learned to deal with in, in divorce and it's taught me more about my ego uh, than anything else probably in my life is my, you know, first reaction is usually the one based off the ego, right? Because my first reaction, I wanted to say to him, listen, you little SOB, you have no idea what a hard divorce is, right? You have no idea what your mom and I have tried to do for you. But then I got into the point of empathy, right? And, And to realize that even as good as it is, we wrote a book, you know, Nikki, Chad, uh, Nadia, myself, Asher, all have chapters in this book, you know, explaining our experience. Um, But the logistics of just, and and, and just realizing, take out all the nonsense my parents went through, right? But going to a different house every couple days and forgetting your math book and, you know, all these things, as good as it is for Asher, it's still hard on, you know, if you were to ask him, and I think he was like 13 at the time, he would still want his parents together right so imagine that as a baseline and then throw all the other nonsense and bs that parents put on top of their kids in a high conflict divorce right so it's important that we you know we talk about that that even though it's great and it's a happy divorce and we you know as have made it as soft of the landing as possible for asher it's still hard on them of just the logistics of the divorce right so i think that that it was an important thing that we try to get across too is hopefully if you're out there for parents that even people who wrote a book and you know have this life that it's still you know my son told me you know four years ago that this divorce was hard on him i do wonder though when you say that it resonates with me and i always say you know no matter how good i made this experience for them it was 
a shock to the system, especially because in my particular case, our marriage never disintegrated to the level of chaos, combat, none of that. It was more about I wasn't good, but I wanted greatness. And I didn't think that I could find it in my marriage. But they, they have mentioned in the past as well, like, oh, you know, sometimes we wish that you were together. I do wonder, though, what would have happened if we had been together? Like, and they had missed out on all these experiences because the same thing has happened to us. Now we have new people in our lives. They get to experience this differently. And I do wonder if then they'll have some sort of resentment, you know, from a parallel universe where all their friends are divorced and they happen to go in different trips with all their newest step parents, step brothers and sisters. I have a feeling that deep down, we're just humans. We're never going to be happy with the cards that were dealt. And right. uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's well, how I think about it. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, Asher, uh, so last year, and this is where the story, you know, again, that gets a little absurd. And if you're listening, uh, it, it, again, 14 years ago, if you had said this was going to happen, we would have said you're out of your mind. Uh, I couldn't even, you know, we just wanted to be in the same room together, I think was our target. Um, but last year, Nikki, my ex-wife, uh, and I took Asher, our son, to Africa on a safari. Uh, just the three of us. Uh, not, uh, my wife didn't come and Chad didn't come, not because we didn't want them to, but because they had other responsibilities. But, you know, we went on a great safari in the middle of Africa with our son, because if anything was going to send our divorce South, it wasn't romance or finance. It was going to be that one of us took Asher to Africa without the other one, because he was, you know, every kid has their sort of thing growing up and Asher didn't want to read Dr. Seuss books. He wanted to read animal encyclopedias. He loved animals. But Nikki and I, you know, put our stuff behind us and we went. And, you know, Asher, you know, sometime along the trip is like, you guys get along so great. Like, why are you divorced? Right. So there was a, like a moment there where we had to explain to him, like, I love your mother. You know, we're best friends. I'd do anything for her. But I'm not in love with your mother, right? And then you got in the, which was appropriate age of the difference between, you know, and what Nikki and I did, I think when, you know, sort of post-mortem, uh, doing a post-mortem on the divorce was we got in love, being in love and loving each other confused in the beginning. And, and, and that's where we went wrong. So we got to have that conversation with him. But for, to him, he's like, well, you guys are like, you know, what you, but, you know, best friends, you laugh, you joke, you know, your mom wants to feed you the lions. Like what, what uh, you know, why aren't you guys still together? So that's, you know, again, another opportunity to explain to him the difference uh, between loving somebody, you know, and being in love with somebody. And, and I also think that a lot of the confusion still comes from, we still as a society approve of the parental unit as the married couple, more of the divorce blended family style. I think that the more we progress, I actually see divorces on the rise and coronavirus has done nothing but increase that. The lockdown has just proved to people that they, they cannot live in that space anymore. So I see that it's gonna be more and more of an evolution towards less and less kids that come from a single you know, marital unit. And that's where my kids' friends now come to us and say, well, you're about to go and spend a month skiing at my boyfriend's um, chalet mammoth. And she's like, I don't get to do that. I wish my parents were divorced. And just because now they, they see like, well, this new person brings this that 
my parents do not give to us. And I, and I wonder if with time we're going to see this as maybe the kids of parents who are married, unless they're like one of those beautiful marriages where, you know, there is love oozing from every part of them, which Ben, I don't know about you, but I don't see many of those. They're actually going to see their situation as a disadvantage. Again, this is me theorizing, seeing where we're going. I'm just trying to tell people, I'm like you, I'm not pro-divorce, I'm not pro-marriage. I'm just right. pro-happy people. I want children that live in happy environments. If that means that it has to be a family of one parent, fantastic. A family of four parents, great. I just don't want people putting a block on their, on their view by saying, oh, what's out there is just so horrible. It, it just doesn't exist. This new concept of family doesn't exist. I think that we're just about to move and tip it to the other point where the unusual yeah. kids will be the ones with parents who haven't divorced. Well, I think the other thing is the, uh, you know, generation coming up uh, aren't necessarily getting married, but they're still having kids, right? You, ha you have all these new dynamics, um, you know, same-sex marriage, same-sex divorce, you know, same-sex not getting married, but having kids. And, and so, and, and, as well as people just not getting married, but having kids and then having to go through the, uh, you know, process of not getting divorced, but having to deal with the, the, the share. So, look, the, the, the face of marriage, the face of whatever might look different, might smell different. But at the end of the day, it comes down to parenting. And, and one of the words that I don't necessarily love is co-parenting. Um, because, you know, I think one thing that, at least for me, it's sort of, I understand, you know, when, when you talk, when people talk about it, but when Nikki and I get divorced, we didn't cut our parenting in half, right? We didn't cut uh, you know, become half a parent, we were still a parent, right? And, and just like, you know, technically, right now, my wife and I ha have two little ones, we're co-parents to those kids, as much as Nick and I are parents and co-parents to our, our son, even though we're not married. So, you know, I think the the, the theme of, uh, of also our, our happy divorce is that we we made a conscious decision to not have our jobs as parents end or get cut in half or, you know, whatever. I wanted Nikki to be, uh, have as much time and as much, uh, you know, access to Asher as I did. And she wanted the same for me. So, you know, the, again, when you look at the face of what divorce looks like, is the number going down? Is it going up? It, 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 people still always have kids, whether they're actually married legally or not they're still going to become parents and they might have that breakup and that split and they have to deal with the same emotions, the same stuff that, you know, a legal divorce has to deal with. Well, in my personal opinion, marriage is just a piece of paper. Children are the real bond. Children are the ones that are going to keep you bonded to that person, whether you like it or not, whether you have a good relationship or not, whether you're going to co-parent, parallel parenting. Um, whatever you, whatever parenting. name you want to give to it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ben, I have loved our conversation and I would love for everybody to find your book. I think that um, you guys, first of all, I love the reason why you put it out there. And I said it, I had an Instagram story the other day where I said, I love that you guys are not selling anything related to divorce. Um, this is not about buy my program. This is how we did it. Um, no, it's just about giving people inspiration and 
almost the permission to do it and telling them, look, this is how we did it, holding their hands to the process. And I think that that's fantastic for everybody that is even thinking about divorce to just get this new narrative. I, I think that up until now, like I said, we've, we've had the volume way too loud on the dramatic, traumatic kind of divorce. And I want people to start seeing your, your side of the story, the one that you created, I created for my own divorce. And there is a whole new breed of humans trying to do this sort of conscious divorce or just amicable, civilized, whatever you want to call it. And again, you don't have to end up in where you are um, with, you know, families that uh, family vacations, they include everybody. Even if you just have a civilized relationship, even if your kids are just like, oh yeah, my parents, yeah, they talk, they, they don't yell, they can be in the same space at the same time. So if people want to find out more about you, they want to buy your book, where is the best place to find you? Uh, it's it's really our happy divorce everything our happy divorce dot com our happy divorce Instagram Facebook Twitter whatever um, and, and and you know again you nailed it I mean it's not something that uh, you know fourteen years ago or even you know within the past ten years it was something that was even in the realm um, but but I am a believer and and have made the most change. Um, when, when I can relate to somebody, when I, when I can, you know, uh, have the power of relatedness through experience. Um, you know, I've been to many therapists, many doctors, many, you know, and, and it wasn't until I can sit across from somebody with a shared experience that I am willing to at least, you know, listen to how they got through it. Uh, Cause when you're going through hell, uh, it helps to know that somebody's been through hell and gotten out. Um, and so, um, you know, we're not lawyers, therapists, doctors, or anything of the sort. We're just two people who figured it out. And, and, and our story and our, and our message is, uh, if you know more about Nikki and I, uh, who are two class A alphas, uh, you know, set up perfectly for a high conflict divorce. You know, if we can get through this, uh, I, I believe that anybody can. And it doesn't, ha like, I'm so glad you said that too. It doesn't have to be the land of the absurd, right? Like uh, of Nikki and I. Um, but if, but I think that if you can, uh, you know, manage to walk into the same room, whether it's your son or daughter's uh, school event, and not have everybody around you feel that tension, and feel that you know, uh, uh, you know, palp palpable tension or whatever it is, and most importantly, your kids, that's a happy divorce, in in our eyes, right? So th so it comes in many shapes and sizes, but. The story is just there. Um, you know, you can reach out to us if you have any questions. Uh, we're not we're not looking to make a career out of this. Uh, we just wanted to share our story. And I'm gonna leave a little cliffhanger there. When I was reading your book at the very beginning, it tells the story about when you uh, hired your first lawyer. You were like, "Yep, we're going to war." And um, what what made you switch from that moment, which to me was a critical moment. And I had a similar experience. I went to talk to a lawyer just to find out about my options. And she was just ready to go to war. Mm -hmm. And again, it, it takes that moment to say, is this what I want? Is this what I'm looking for? Is this what, what I want my children to be left with? Um, so go read the story. It, it, from there, the story takes a completely different turn. So, yeah, And I would, I would urge people not to get to that point. I mean, that's one thing that, that I've learned through this process that, you know, talking to people who are lawyers, who have been divorce lawyers through this process, writing this book and being on podcast, is they're amazed that I was in the quote unquote system, right? That I got to that lawyer, uh, but was able to get out. So, uh, you know, some of the things are in the book are mistakes. Right. And the mistake was 
going on, you know, Google or, you know, getting referrals from friends to find the toughest, meanest, biggest, you know, divorce attorney who's done the biggest cases, right? That was the mistake. Uh, so, so the story is not just all about what we did right, but a lot of it, what we did wrong. And my first phone call and my first deal was going to a lawyer uh, instead of a therapist or a divorce coach, which I would urge everybody to do. There's no award for getting divorced the quickest. I, I, ha I now recommend everybody that comes to me asking for advice, how should I do this? One of the first things that I ask them to do is to watch um, our, our Marriage Story, the movie with uh, Scarlett yes. Johansson, because yes. it's a perfect example of how you can derail a divorce that could have been a happy divorce, an amicable divorce, One just time. because they were vulnerable. And you can see, I mean, it's almost like it should be a case study of when Scarlett Johansson is in the office with a lawyer, the way that she relates her. And she just turns her into this. And then the whole, the whole divorce takes a complete different tone. And I tell people, I wish if people came to a divorce coach, instead of going to a divorce lawyer first, Oh, we could save the world so much grief. So well, and not only grief, uh, you know, and that's we uh, we wrote a blog about that, you know, in part because it was just one turning point. It was, if she had just read that letter, because eventually, at the end, of, you know, I don't want to give it away, but that letter was read and he heard it. But that's you know, again, it is such a thin ice situation in the beginning that the wrong move, just that one little thing, can make a turning point where. You know, forget about the the money is a big deal because people spend you know their fortunes on on divorce attorneys in the process, but also emotionally are bankrupt coming out of it too. And, and so, you know, the the call to the divorce attorney or, or coach or a therapist or you know dealing with the emotional side of it first is it, such a uh, recipe for a happier, more fruitful. Uh, life and outcome uh, than going to the divorce attorney because the divorce, Nikki and I, I mean, just really quick, we, we didn't, after I hired that one attorney, we ended up, after we had made amends, we ended up doing our whole divorce at the same coffee shop over multiple meetings, um, but cutting the lawyers completely out of it. Now, that doesn't mean that she didn't have her, you know, go back and talk to her, you know, quote unquote team, and I went back and talked to mine and what we discussed, but we were the business people. And, and we were also the ones who loved our kid, right? And, and, and so we made those decisions. And then, and, and although she had her team and I had my team, we were on each other's team. And I think the one thing that, that we realized looking back on it, that first lawyer I called, quite frankly, even if I had gone to my, my therapist, you know, or if there were coaches, if we had gone to coaches or our parents or, you know, whoever, the bottom line is, no matter how great of an influence those people have in your life, they will never love your kid or kids like you do as parents. And yeah. that is, that is the foundation of it. And they give you good guidance or whatever, but they're, you know, they're not going to love your, they don't love your kids like you, like the parents do. Yeah. Ben, can I ask you a couple of questions that I ask all my guests? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully I'll get them right. <laughs> There's no right or wrong. We're just going to have a little peek into your soul. Um, okay. What do you see in your next great chapter? Um, the, the next great chapter, you know, is, I think for anything in, in my life is uh, to try to do the next right thing. You know, I'm a, a flawed human being who, who makes tremendous amount of mistakes in life and, and 
that's okay too, right? I mean, I, I think that our happy divorce was, you know, Nikki and my marriage, not necessarily was a mistake, but the way that I behaved and the way I handled that, that sometimes I have a tendency to get off track, um, but, you know, always can get back on, on the rails. And I think that the next chapter, as far as, you know, the, the book goes is who knows? I mean, at the end of the day, we set out to do one thing and that was to tell our story and, and, and it'll be there. Uh, believe me, we printed a lot of copies, but the topic's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think it's a perennial topic um, for people who just want inspiration, uh, you know, but, but for me uh, in, in next chapter and what sort of my whole theme is, is sort of to make as much time as possible um, in, in life and not necessarily as much money, but as much time because uh, time equals freedom, which, you know, eventually leads to some happiness. And where do you see the world going for the, for its next great chapter or not? We don't know. Well, I think, you know, I mean, this is unprecedented times. Uh, and, and I think that we've learned at least hopefully, uh, you know, what, what the, every chapter in my life, I think begins in every growth thing, whether it was problems with drugs and alcohol as a kid and, and overcoming that is unfortunately pain for me. And I don't know if this is from 48 years old now, uh, has always been a great motivator, uh, you know, in desperation. And, and when I'm motivated to, to change is when I get in the most amount, is when I'm in the most amount of pain. So, you know, this is a hard time for everybody. Uh, and, and, you know, everybody sort of has their cross to bear through it. Um, but I hope that coming out of it, we can learn from the pain, learn from the, you know, mistakes, um, and, and get through this stronger and better, sort of just like everything else in my life is when I look back on it, uh, if you could give me a crystal ball and say, you know, you can go back and change anything in your life, I wouldn't take you up on it, right? Because, uh, you know, I, I, I become, you know, sort of a better man because of all the pain uh, that, that, that I've had to go through. I think at least in my experience, and maybe I'm different than everybody else, uh, I probably think I am, but really I'm not. But uh, is that in life, I think pain, uh, one of my favorite expressions is pain is mandatory in life, but suffering is optional. Um, and, and so, you know, through this whole thing, the next, the next chapter in life is that I hope we come out of this, you know, better, stronger, not only individually, but as, as a whole, as a country. Hope that too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for being with us today. And uh, I hope that everybody enjoy our conversation and go and get their book, Our Happy Divorce by Ben and Nikki. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to subscribe and review my podcast because I just love hearing from you. You can also follow my journey on my Instagram account at Divorce for Love and join our Facebook group in the show notes. See you next week.